The city of Synodicia disappeared within the desert of Elysia, along with its inhabitants. Only a few lucky souls escaped, including an elf named Kalmir, who had been captured by barbarian invaders. Now he returns with a woman and a dwarf to uncover what has become of his homeland and its people. They've located the city, half buried in the sands, and a great pyramid rising out of the middle. Within this structure, they found three factions of people. One, an order of warrior men, one, an order of warrior maidens, and one, an order of magi, all of them vying for power. By the time they had met the third of these groups, Kalmir had had enough, and he demanded that all three find common ground and unite against their common enemy, Zargon. Zargon was a beast so powerful that he was believed to be a god. Some said he could unite the evil creatures of the world for another attack upon the lands of Thallus to bring another age of darkness. It seemed that this monster had made its home within the pyramid, and from there was forming its vile plans. Neither Kalmir the elf, nor Kybek the dwarf, nor Indiana Jane the woman were going to let that happen. As they moved cautiously down the stairs, further into the bowels of the pyramid, they were prepared for anything. Welcome to RPG Storytime, the series where we bring you tales crafted on the tabletops of role-playing games. Today, we have the second chapter of Indiana Jane and the Lost City of Synodicia. This was an adventure from the first edition of Dungeons & Dragons, written by Tom Mulvey and published by TSR back in 1982. The players were Terry Smith, Joel Johnson, and Trevor Vale, and it was game-mastered by Jeff MacArthur. And now, on with our story. As Kalmir led the way off the ramp, they found themselves in a room whose walls were painted into murals of court scenes, showing a king and a queen being entertained by a dwarven jester. Kalmir found it amusing, and Kybek found it offensive. Jane was merely fascinated. A small coffin rested in a niche along the east wall, and in each corner of the room was a large brass jar. Don't touch anything, Jane said. They did as she said. No one wanted to disturb the sight. Kalmir and Jane studied the mural. Kybek approached the sarcophagus. This had been one of his people. These lands had been filled with humans and elves, and occasionally traveling halflings and gnomes. But dwarves stayed in their mountains in the north. This jester must have been one among the travelers who came south. If his bones could speak, he could probably give Kybek all the answers he sought. Kybek rested his hand on the stone's coffin lid. Suddenly, the top of the lid sprang off. An oversized wooden model of a head of a dwarven jester emerged, painted in bright colors, held aloft by a coiled spring. The other two jolted his direction. I said don't touch anything, Jane yelled. Kybek didn't defend himself. He was too disgusted at the spectacle before him. The solemnity of an eternal sleep was reduced to this jack-in-the-box head and the cartoonish features of his people. Let's move on, Kalmir said, and he exited the door on the north. They emerged into a corridor that wound its way around a corner and split into the west and north. They went north and came upon a T-intersection with a door in the north wall. Kalmir decided to try it. Peeking in, he found an empty room, except to the left, where he found a wall full of skeletons standing at attention, along with a mummy wrapped in plate mail armor among them. Seeing no reason to stay, he closed the door. Oh, nothing in there, he said. An empty room? Jane asked. Kalmir was already walking away. Nothing in there, he repeated, and he continued on to the east. A corridor broke off to the north, 
Kalmir had decided to make a point of trying anything that led to the north, so he turned onto it. This hallway led 50 feet before turning to the right. They went about 100 feet before the hall again turned to the right. A small hole in the wall let through a shaft of light, revealing that they were at the edge of the pyramid walking along the periphery. After close to another 100 feet, they turned right again and came to a doorway. Jane checked to make sure there were no traps, and then she opened the door. Inside, a large sarcophagus rested on a 10-foot dais in the center of the room. From each corner of the dais rose a slender, 6-foot column, the tops of which met the corners of the arch dome above. On the dais at each end of the sarcophagus was a brass jar from which flames danced. The walls of the room were painted with scenes from the life of a noble lady. All three of the wanderers mused at the ever-burning flame. Jane noticed something behind one of the brass jars. A parchment. She carefully reached down and grabbed it. Unrolling the paper, she found that it was a map. Some of the markings matched where they were, and where they had just been. They then laid out a path that led out of the room she was in, and wound its way to another room, in which an X marked an important location. Kalmir and Kybek were looking over the mural, making sure not to touch anything this time. Jane went to them and rolled out the parchment so they could see the map. Someone felt like it was important enough to write down, Kybek said. We should follow it, Kalmir agreed, and so they headed out the door on the opposite side. They were met with hallways that stretched a few dozen feet to the right, and a very long way to the left. The map led them to the left, so they began to walk. Kybek noticed that they were heading slightly downward. A few steps along, he felt the ground begin to rumble. A moment later, Jane heard a rumbling and looked behind them. Just at the edge of her torchlight, she could see something large rolling towards them. A boulder. Run! she shouted, and bolted down the hallway. The others glanced, only momentarily, then began running as well. The boulder was gaining on them, picking up speed as it went. The ground shook below them. They kept their feet the best they could, lest they fall under the giant rock and be crushed. Cameron noticed a gap in the wall to the right where the new corridor began. This way! he shouted, and the others followed him into the new passage. Just as Kybex slid in, the boulder rolled past. They leaned against the wall, panting and pulling themselves together. None of them wanted to go back into that hall, even though it was the one on the map. <sighs> Maybe there's another path in this direction, Calmer suggested. The others agreed, and they walked in the new direction. They made it about a hundred feet when they came to a dead end. How? Why? Jane stammered. Who built this place? Kybeck asked. Then looking at Calmere and spotting his pointed ears, he remembered. Oh, yeah. Elves. Calmere didn't hear him or the slight. He was growing furious. His temper was that of the people who had raised him. On a short wick, he screamed and kicked the wall out of frustration. Then he kicked it again for good measure. On the second kick, his foot landed on something, and just after a clicking noise, the entire wall swiveled and he was swallowed up into the next room. All grew silent in the hallway where Jane and Kybeck remained. They considered what to do. Had it been a trap, or a secret door Kalmir had triggered? Both of them approached the wall with caution. Then it swung again, and Kalmir emerged with a smile. I found the way through, he said. Step up to me. They did, and Kalmir pressed the rock again. The wall swung, taking them with it, and they twisted around to face the room on the opposite side. What they saw unnerved them. Piles of human bones carpeted the floor. They could see a doorway on the opposite side of the room, and even one next to them on the same side of the room, but they couldn't get to either one without stepping on bones the entire way.
people, situation ain't improved much, Kaibek said. These are the slaves of the masters, Kamri said. Tradition had it that they were to be killed when their masters died. Real humanitarians, your people, Jane said. Let's take the shorter path, Kaibek said, and he sidestepped along the wall to their left. He felt his feet go down on a ribcage. He could hear it crunch beneath his feet. This was someone's torso once. He tried to step more gently, but he only came down on someone's skull, breaking it under his armor. He paused and said a little prayer before continuing. Jane took up the rear. She was disturbed by how casual Kalmir was about the room. While he was walking gingerly, he didn't seem particularly upset by it. Kaibek was relieved to find the doorway unlocked, and he swung it open to get through. There was another hall, about half the length of the one they had just gone down before it had turned right. Another twenty feet or so and they found a pair of hallways that turned right again, and one that continued straight. Consulting the parchment, Jane recognized these as being part of the map, so she had the others turn to the right. The hall turned left, traveled for a few dozen feet, and then turned right again. This continued for about a hundred feet before it came upon a corridor to the right, and a doorway on the right wall just beyond. This doorway had a hole gnawed out of it along the side of the near bottom. Whatever was in there, it was guarded by the X on the map. The party looked at one another curiously. Kalmir grabbed his scimitar, and Kaibek grabbed his mace. Jane made sure there were no traps on the door, and she swung it open. Inside was a chamber whose walls were approximately 40 feet in each direction. Scenes of a throne room with a man giving advice to lords and ladies were painted on these walls. In the center lay a wooden coffin with large holes gnawed in its sides. Shadows could be seen scurrying about inside. All three explorers approached cautiously, the weapons out, and ready to attack. A furry head with a long snout popped out of one of the holes, its large eyes looking over the three people. They relaxed their guard. Aw, Jane said. It's cute. Suddenly, the beast leapt at her, and another one jumped out from one of the remaining holes directly at Kaibek and Kalmir. Kalmir screamed and retreated in horror. The one on Jane latched onto her arm with its sharp teeth. Kaibek beat the adorable creature with his mace, smashing it into a pulp. Jane stabbed into hers and wounded it badly enough to make it let go. The creature saw that Kaibek had smashed its partner, and it leapt at him. Kaibek swung his mace like a baseball bat, smashing it into the wall. Shrews, Kaibek said. I've known some who've had them as pets but they can be nasty when they're in the wild. You can come back now, laddie. Shivering and ashamed of himself, Kalmir slung back into the room. I... I, I thought I saw a ghost or something, he said. No shame, lad, Kaibek said. Jane walked to the coffin and looked inside. The shrews had built a nest inside out of the wood shavings, and a lot of their poop had accumulated within. The body and whatever treasure had been buried with it were long since gone. But just behind the coffin, she could see a trap door with a brass handle on it. Jane checked it over carefully, and once she had determined it was safe, she pulled it up. Inside, it fell into darkness, but a ladder led down into it. All right. You gents ready to check out more? Jane asked. First, let me treat that shoulder of yours, Kybex said. I'm fine, Jane protested. You need to take a moment. This is a pyramid of the dead. Nothing's going anywhere, he said. Kaibek laid a hand on Jane's shoulder, and a glowing energy pulsated onto it. Jane reluctantly relaxed into it. I believe you should rest as well, sir, he said. No, we need to push on, Kalmir said, obstinately shaking his head. You will not regain your honor if you die, Kaibek argued. Now, both of you, take a short rest against the wall there. 
We'll climb down after you've recovered a bit of strength. What will you do? Jane asked. Well, I'm going to make sure no more cute monsters crawl up this thing, Kybex said. He first shoved a spike he was carrying into the bottom wedge of the door to seal it shut. Then he closed the trap door, and he sat on it. There he meditated, and he prayed for a couple hours while the others lay back against the wall. Jane awoke with a start. She had not intended to fall asleep, and was disturbed that she had. Kalmir had also dozed off, and Kybek was nowhere to be seen. The trapdoor was open, though. Had something come up and taken Kybek? She drew her crossbow and pointed it at the opening in the floor. As she approached it, she called to Kalmir to wake up. He answered with a loud snore. When she came close to the opening, a head popped out. She nearly fired, but stayed her finger when she recognized Kybek's face. He waited for her to lower her weapon before saying, There's an empty room down here. I've been looking for the better part of an hour, but I can't find any way out. I think you need it. Jane went down the ladder with the dwarf. Sure enough, the 20 by 20 room was empty. But this made no sense. Why have a room here if nothing was inside it, and it didn't lead anywhere? Suspicious, Jane sought out to answer this question by checking the walls. There were no torches on any of them, so none of them could be found lower than the others. There was nothing of any note, really, which made them difficult to study. However, once she passed the point on the southern wall, Kybek told her to go back. Indiana Jane did, but she saw nothing unusual. Kybek, however, reacted with an audible gasp. I had not seen that through my dark vision, but with the torchlight, I can see the color much better, he said. The area has a definite discoloration. Try pushing on it, he said. Jane gave it a shove, and a section of the wall gave way, swinging open to reveal a room beyond. It appeared to be a bedroom as it contained a bed, a table, a chair, a lantern, and a holy symbol of two intertwined snakes, all made of wood. A hooded white robe was draped over the chair. Suddenly, remembering Kalmir, Jane rushed up back the ladder to get him. Kybek remained behind to browse the room. He stopped at the chair and looked it over. Kalmir followed Jane back down the ladder and into the bedroom. There, they found Kybek standing in the middle, the cloak draped over him, staring at the opposite doorway. Isn't that a little long for you? Jane asked, observing how the white pieces of clothing was meant for someone the size of a human. We must destroy the cult of Zargon, Kybek said sullenly. Well, Jane said, at least we need to make sure they're here and... Yes, we should kill all those who worship Zargon, Kalmir agreed. This way, Kybek said, and he hurried towards the door on the opposite side. Kalmir followed anxiously, and Indiana Jane took up the rear much more hesitantly. Without giving Jane time to check the doorway, Kybek swung it open and hurried inside. They all found that it was an abandoned kitchen and dining room combination. In the center of it all were a pair of pythons feeding on the body of a woman they were wrapped around. Kybek seemed to be prepared for them, and before they unraveled, he had beaten one of them with his mace. The other struck him and wrapped itself around him. Kalmir sliced it nearly in half, and Jane, upon spotting it, fired her crossbow into it, bringing it down. As the snake's body limply fell off Kybek, Jane scolded. Everyone needs to hold up until we all know what we're doing. No one should be racing off. And Kybek raced off to the door on the opposite wall. Hold on, Jane shouted. But he was already swinging the door wide, and Kalmir was chasing after, screaming with delight. Inside, Kalmir could see wall hangings and ornate divans. There were also several pieces of sculptures, as well as an iron statue of a warrior on each side of the doorway. Kybek was standing just inside the doorway, facing one of the statues, casting a spell. He spoke in a language Jane did not recognize, but Kalmir understood it. 
It was the dialect the Synodissians used to speak. Most strangely, he seemed to be casting a hold person spell on the statue. Suddenly, both statues began to move, but the one Kaibek cast the spell on froze. The other one swung its club in its hand and knocked Kaibek backwards. Kamir charged it and swung his scimitar into the monster. The weapon stuck to its side and froze in place. Kamir could not pull it out. Jane fired a bolt at it, and the bolt too seemed to get stuck where it landed. The statue swung at Kalmir, but he dodged the blow. What do we do now? Kalmir asked with no weapons in his hands. Kaibek got to his feet and waved for Jane to wait. He then touched the whip on her belt and spoke in the ancient tongue of the Synodissians. The whip began to glow. Indiana Jane did not understand, but she pulled the whip into her hand and she lashed at the statue. The whip wrapped around the animated monster's arm and she yanked. The arm flew off the statue. It charged at her. Kalmir grabbed its leg and tripped it. Jane lashed the whip at the monster, chipping only a small piece of it aside. The beast smashed its hand down on Kalmir, causing him to let go. Kaibek hurried to Kalmir and laid his hands upon him, curing the damage that had just been laid upon him. The statue turned its gaze upon Jane. Its mouth melted into the stone and then reformed into a snarl, and its one remaining arm reached at her. Jane snapped the whip at the hand and wrapped around it. Grasping a firm grip on it, she pulled and a hand melted into a stump that fell short of her. A deep gravel roar thundered from deep inside the beast. Kalmir hurried to his sword still stuck in the side of it, and he tried to pull it off, but it had welded to the animated monstrosity. The animated statue rised up on its stump. Its face melted and reformed into an expression of hatred for Jane. It lashed at her, biting as it came close. She pulled back, swinging with the whip, and then she lashed around the statue's head. The glowing thong wrapped around its neck, and it burned into the steel. Jane pulled hard at it, and the noose tightened. The statue beast tried to reach for it, but couldn't. And soon the whip pulled all the way through its form, and the head dropped off. Jane dropped to the floor as well, exhausted, breathing heavy. Kamir stepped up to the statue and found that his sword had fallen to the floor, so he retrieved it. Kaibek hurried to the doorway on the east wall, as if some burning desire was controlling him. This time, even Kalmir shouted for him to slow down, but Kaibek would not. He seemed to be on a sudden mission to find something. He swung the door open and charged down the corridor. Jane and Kalmir shared a look of frustrated exhaustion. They rose and chased after. Just before they reached the next room, they spotted Kaibek inside, swinging a glowing mace at two cement gargoyles swatting at him. Where'd you get that? Jane asked. Kaibek only answered, Stay back! I'm coming in, Kalmir said. No! Stay back! Kaibek shouted. I can't really be hurt with magical weapons like this one. Jane saw that Kaibek's regular mace was still slung around his waist. This magical one was new. The gargoyles got several firm hits on him, enough that it should have killed him. But Kaibek had a fit of unnatural strength now, and he lashed out at the beasts, taking one down, then another, smashing them into pieces. Jane and Kalmir walked in cautiously, their eyes on their companion. Kaibek was laying his hands on his wounds. A glow appeared on them and then they sealed up. He was rejuvenated with strength. Then, he dashed through the door on the north wall. Jane shouted for him to wait. The room seemed ripe for searching. A plush, yet dusty carpet covered the floor. A large, heavy desk sat in the center of the room, around which were several wooden chairs were grouped. Behind the desk was a large chair, and behind the chair on the south wall was mounted a lion's head. Four large painted urns stood in the corners of the room. But Kaibek had left it all behind to run out the north door and down a long corridor. Kalmir and Jane, both tired, approached the door. 
They saw Kaibet get to an intersection and begin to turn right. Then the floor opened up beneath him, and he fell inside. Kaibek! Jane shouted, and she rushed after. He was at the bottom of a pit, a spike running through his leg, and another one through the side of his torso. He was groaning in pain. Stop rushing ahead, Jane said. She leaped over to the hallway on the right and threw down one side of her rope. He grabbed it and began to climb up, dislodging himself from each part of the spikes with an audible grunt of pain. He was just able to hold on as Jane pulled him up. Calmere, meanwhile, leaped over a side of the pit as well to join them in the new hallway. Once everyone was together, Kaibek began healing himself anew. We need to talk, Jane said. I'm using the last of my healing spells, Kaibek said. Who are you? Jane asked. Kaibek sighed. The jig was up. I'm Demetrius of Synodicia, elder of Usamigaras. I've inhabited your friend to stop my twin brother, Darius. He is a cleric of the court of Zargon. I have vowed to destroy him and his court before they can do more damage to our people. But I was assassinated before I could accomplish my holy quest. Now I seek to end this. With your help. Well, he could have just told us, Camry said. I cannot risk my quest. If you're looking to stop Zargon, we'll help you. Jane said. But you have to promise to give us our friend back after. I'll do that, Demetrius said. No. Are you ready to go? The other two nodded, and Demetrius Kybeck led the way. He headed eastward along the corridor for a long ways until he reached a T-intersection. He turned left and led them to a dead end. There, a carved face met them, and Demetrius punched it in the right eye. The wall slid open, and they were met with another T-intersection in which Demetrius turned right. The hallway turned north, and they walked along for a ways. When they came to a point where the hall turned right, they noticed a shaft of light crossing along the corner. Jane stopped everyone. Wait, she said. We're too far down for light to be coming through. All was silent as Demetrius had no explanation, so Jane added, Stay out of the light. All three of them gave a wide berth, as they swung a long way around the corner. When they came to the next short hallway, they could all see the problem. A track in the floor led to each wall, which had ten-foot sections separated from the rest of the walls. It was clear these were intended to crash together when triggered, probably by someone walking through the light. They walked carefully through this section with Indiana Jane leading, making sure there were no other traps to set this off. When they reached the other end, they were confronted with a doorway. Jane checked it for traps, and they listened at it. She had not needed to. All three heard a short, sudden scream, followed by silence. Then came another short scream, followed by another, followed by a long silence, before someone else began sobbing. Jane checked the door, and it was unlocked. She peeked in, and was baffled by what she saw. Ten people wearing dark robes, and masks of fearsome imaginary monsters sat in a circle. They were staring straight ahead, but didn't seem to be looking at anything in particular. Jane opened the door, weapon ready, and no one in the room reacted. It was as if they were all blind. They remained still. Every once in a while, one of them screamed, but then settled. Then another reacted as if startled. But again, no one reacted to the people entering the room. Which way do we go? Jane whispered to Demetrius. There was a single door on the north wall, and one on the south wall. Kybek Demetrius headed for the south door and opened it. The others followed. 
Inside were a dozen brightly robed men and women, masked as various animals, playing games of chance. Card games were played at one table, dice games at another. In the center of the room was a large wheel of fortune. Many silver and gold coins, gems, and pieces of jewelry were changing hands as people won and lost. Demetrius Kybeck did not hesitate. He marched straight for the opposite wall and pulled a lever. A hidden door swung open. As it did, a half-dozen hobgoblins rushed out. Surprised, Jane and Calmere drew their weapons. Strangely, no one else reacted. They just kept gambling as though nothing was going on. Jane used this to her advantage, pulling back behind the tables, using them for cover as she fired her bolts at the hobgoblins. Calmere got right in there, challenging three of the creatures right away. Demetrius went right past the hobgoblins, attacking his prey. The cleric who was behind it all. His twin brother. Darius had been in the middle of casting a spell, and Demetrius interrupted it, causing him to lose concentration and have to draw his weapon. The two were locked in mortal combat. Two of the hobgoblins came back to attack Demetrius, hitting him in the back. Jane had only one hobgoblin left, but it caught up to her. She rolled over one of the tables, sending the coins flying. To that, the gamblers half-heartedly reacted, but they just cleaned up the mess until the hobgoblin came through and spilled it all again. It knocked her crossbow aside, and she drew her dagger, sticking it in the hobgoblin's heart and bringing it down. Calmere too, had bested his pair of hobgoblins, sending the last one into the Wheel of Fortune, and it began to twist with the wheel's turn, landing on a jackpot. But Demetrius Kybeck was not doing so well. The hobgoblins were beating him up from behind, and Darius was smashing him from the front. He had done some damage to his brother, but Darius had used his own healing spells to keep himself upright. Now he had Demetrius on his heels. You'll die again, brother, Darius said. But this time, you'll take another with you. Not today, Jane shouted as she shot down one of the hobgoblins, and Calmere hurtled at the other. The beasts were quickly dispatched. With them off his back, Demetrius shouted an incantation, making his mace glow red and he brought it down on the evil cleric that was once his family. Again and again he brought it down on him. But then, Darius pressed his hand against Demetrius's chest. Black energy coursed through it, and it froze his heart. He caused serious wounds through his spell, and the dwarf fell to his knees. Jane and Calmere leaped upon the evil cleric, and with their weapons formed many holes on him. He was soon dead. But so was his brother. And so was, by extension... Kybeck, their dwarven companion. Indiana Jane and Calmere of Synodicia stood there, stunned, unsure of what to do next. Around them, the gambling party continued, making bets, winning and losing money, some of them stepping over the bodies of hobgoblins littering the floor among the gold and silver piles of wins and losses. This concludes today's episode of RPG Storytime, Dungeons and Dragons. We hope you enjoyed it, and will join us for the next episode where we learn what awaits our three, now two, explorers as they move further into the Lost City. If you'd like to read more from the author of this episode, you can find his works in the description below. I'm Tyler Tackett, be sure to subscribe, and happy gaming everybody.